Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here. Happy you're listening. Well, the Twitter files keep coming out. And finally, we're getting to the part that we really, all of us know, that the government, at least, I mean, when I say I know, or we know, um, I guess technically we don't know, but uh, given the track record of the FBI, um, you know, it was a, a pretty good educated guess that the government was somehow involved in um, in censoring accounts on Twitter. Uh, basically, on Joe Rogan's show, uh, Mark Zuckerberg admitted as much. So it wasn't a far stretch to think that that's probably happening on Twitter as well. And this week, with uh, Twitter files dump number six, Matt Taibbi basically confirmed all this. Now, you know, the government, <laughs> the government really, it, what's interesting about the government is because we're all raised in public schools and we're, um, we're taught, you know, that the government is basically um, looking out for us and it's, it's got our civil liberties uh, in our best interest uh, under consideration at all times. I mean, we basically are brainwashed into thinking the government is a net good, okay? And if you really embark on this uh, and read other opinions, okay, opinions you don't learn about in school, opinions from like Ron Paul, Rand Paul, um, Murray Rothbard, um, Jeff Deist, Tom Woods, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, what you find is that we weren't exactly told the whole story. And this is just the way it is, okay? Uh, when I look at something like January 6th, for example, what I see is a group of people who basically fell for, you know, all the stuff that we learn in school about our government. Never in a million years did they dream that they would be held uh, in confinement for you know hundreds of days, uh, more than a year. Some of them are still being held in confinement for essentially trespassing. They, they didn't realize what they were dealing with. They were dealing with an organization that does not like to be embarrassed, will break every law on the books and every civil liberty in the Constitution if they have to, to make an example of you. And that's just who you're dealing with. So you have to be very, very careful when you, when you take on uh, this government. I mean, look at JFK. Um, we still don't really know. Uh, this week, for example... The Biden administration held back some files that were promised to be released. They still haven't been released. 
Um, you know, basically it was going to tell us things like probably like, uh, you know, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a CIA informant or he was employed directly by the CIA. Um, we were going to probably learn about various threats that JFK was putting out there to uh, either kneecap the CIA or, you know, drastically reduce it. But this is just the way government is. I mean, I saw this years ago, just even with my local government. I remember years ago, my son's bicycle got stolen right in front of my daughter. I mean, basically, and her friend. Um, this guy just stopped in a white pickup. The bike was laying on the uh, on the sidewalk. And I guess he was taking the approach that, wow, somebody was probably giving it away. But it's just, it was laying there like a kid left it there, right? Uh, the guy gets out of his truck, doesn't even really try to hide what he's doing, just according to my daughter, puts the bike in the truck and drives off. I call the police. They come out. They fill out a report. And uh, I asked the guy, I said, hey, when when do you think we can get the bike back? Do you think, uh, I mean, is anybody going to spend any time looking for this bike? Now, I knew the answer, okay? I already knew the answer. But the answer was, no, you can file a claim with your insurance company. As soon as the report's official, I'll send you a, a, you know, a file name and uh, a file number or whatever, and you can give it to your insurance company. You know, basically having it roll back on me, right? And, uh, and this is just what the state does. It, does. it does things that we don't want it to do, like sit on the side of the highway and write people tickets or uh, harass us. Uh, because, you know, we got a taillight is momentarily out, and they use that opportunity to see if we've been drinking or see if we have a, a gun on us or whatever, you know. Bottom line is, you know, the reason we put the police there and the government is to protect our liberty and property. But what we find is at every turn, that's what they're attacking, our liberty and our property. And these FBI files, uh, what we've learned is very telling. I mean, we, we learned that they had a task force of over 80 FBI agents combing through Twitter files, contacting Twitter, uh, giving them advice about which accounts probably should be removed or which tweets should be removed. You know, they, I mean, they were involved in, in content moderation, if you want to call it that. I call it censorship, at Twitter. They were involved, directly involved. They have hundreds of emails, uh, hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, um, different levels of contact within the organization. The the ex-guy, uh, the on-staff legal guy was an ex-FBI guy. I mean, they were involved in a big way. And of course, this is unconstitutional, but, you know, the government doesn't care. The government doesn't care about the Constitution. Um, I remember when, you know, we were going to, they were passing Obamacare, and a question came from the press asking Nancy Pelosi where the authority came from for such a takeover of health care. And her answer was, are you kidding me? I mean, this is, this is what they think. There, there's no limitations on their power. They don't see the Constitution 
as a limitation on their power. Now, they'll use it, okay? They'll, they'll say things like, no one's above the law. And if there's something that happens that they don't agree with, they'll invoke the Constitution. But they don't really care about it. They just conveniently use it when it's convenient for them to make their point, uh, to score some political points, to push back on the media or whatever it is they're doing. So um, what I want to do is I want to play a couple of clips. They're both from Fox News. Unfortunately, Fox News is the only outlet really talking about this in the correct way. And I, I, you know, I tried to go to MSNBC. I tried to go to ABC or CBS. And they're just hyper-focused on these journalists that were doxxed for um, revealing uh, information or reporting, basically retweeting uh, information on Elon Musk's real-time location. And they're going to get their accounts back. I mean, I don't think there's, they're suspended permanently or anything like that. But look, I mean... Elon Musk needs to put out a list of rules. He needs to have a, a set of rules that everybody will have to be a, uh, abide by, that are well known. Everybody knows what the rules of the game are, and uh, if you if you violate those rules, then you lose your account. And that's the way it should be. Um, and it should apply to you know people on the left, people on the right, people that are journalists, people that are not journalists. Um, you know, everybody basically on Twitter. Everybody on Twitter is an individual. So let's uh, let's play this report on uh, Fox News. And specifically, I want to kind of zero in on uh, some of what Lisa Booth is talking about. Meanwhile, Elon Musk's newest Twitter file showing how cozy the relationship was between the FBI and Twitter right before he took over. Journalist Matt Taibbi's thread showing that there were more than 150 emails, 150 emails between the FBI and the safety chief, Yoel Roth, between January of 2020 and November of 2022. And while some of these exchanges were, quote, mundane, others are, quote, requests for information into Twitter users related to active investigations. Yes, I would call that cozy. And just how much attention the FBI paid to Twitter's election tampering, that was also revealed in the latest dump. Now, Taibbi tweeting that the FBI's social media focused task force, which was created after the 2016 election, grew eventually to about 80 agents, 80 FBI agents. So the question now, how is the mainstream media reacting to all of this? Well, Network News virtually ignoring the sixth installment of the Twitter files since they dropped yesterday afternoon and instead reporting on the reporters that Elon Musk suspended. So one of the things I want to point out, it's very subtle here, but she said that the FBI uh, told them they were looking for information on Twitter users for an active investigation. This is the part I'm really interested in. I'm, well, I'm interested in all of it, but I'm really interested in this part because, you know, it, they make it sound like it's a criminal investigation. And of course, you know, companies I'm sure would cooperate if there was an active investigation. But these were just uh, attempts to censor users. That's all they were. There was no real active investigation on these users. Uh, the FBI had set up a task force, and they made it their business to censor uh, the American people against, against um, uh, the written Constitution of the United States of America. I mean, this is, you know, a huge deal.
the FBI regularly engages with private sector entities. So that's their defense. Mm. They're saying they, they do this all the time, Lisa. What's yeah, the they, point? They spy on Americans all the time. And it really raises the question, is the mission of the FBI to keep Americans safe or is it to spy and surveil Americans, right? And it seems like it's the latter instead of the former. And you can go back. Ron Paul said in 1988 that that was the mission of the FBI, to spy on Americans and to spy on Americans who disagree uh, with the, you know, the president in charge of policy, right? And he pointed out to Woodrow Wilson during the First World War of using the FBI to spy on Americans, to arrest Americans who disagreed with him and his policy in regard to, to Europe. And you can go back to the 1917 Espionage Act, which was the first nationwide domestic surveillance system, including wiretapping. And, and it really looks like the intent of the FBI is to spy on us, and particularly when you look at what they miss. Right, you had Nicholas Cruz, the Stoneman Douglas shooter who killed 17 people at Marjorie Stoneman uh, Douglas. Uh, he posted on YouTube that he was going to be a school shooter. The yeah. FBI was aware of this. You look at uh, Fort Hood as well. The FBI had the opportunity to intervene uh, with the Pulse nightclub shooting as well, which I, I think killed 49 people in Orlando, the uh, Boston bombers as well. But you've got 80 FBI agents dedicated towards censoring Americans, including jokes, which are very obvious that they're jokes. Yet they miss the big ones. They miss the big things they're supposed to stop. Or they're instigating it like January 6th and uh, the uh, Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. I love that she brings up Ron Paul and how Ron Paul warned about this in 1988. And, you know, most of the time people laughed at Ron Paul in Congress. Oh, that goofy congressman Ron Paul. You know, they said all kinds of things about him. But Ron Paul was very well read. Okay, he knows history. He knows economics. He knows the history of money. This is a very smart man and probably the closest thing to a statesman that this country's had, certainly in my lifetime. Um, and, and, you know, the guy's constantly discounted. And, uh, and I think that's unfortunate. And, you know, the other thing is, she makes the point that the government doesn't do what we want them to do. Um, she rattles off the Pulse nightclub, the the shooting at Fort Hood, um, a bunch of crimes that the FBI knew about, didn't intervene, didn't try to stop. And then she mentions things where they maybe were involved in instigating. Well, the Gretchen Whitmer case, the kidnapping case of Gretchen Whitmer, they were definitely involved in that. that. There's no dispute in that. That's That's been to court, and there's been testimony around that. There's no dispute at all. Now, there's still a lot of dispute around their, their involvement in January 6th. But, I mean, honestly, can you look at it and, and really argue against it? When people are saying, you know, who is Ray Epps? And who are some of these people that are doing the initial break-in None of them have been arrested, okay? The ones that are bashing in the windows and busting down the doors that are wearing like Antifa gear, none of those people on January 6th were arrested. Meanwhile, you know, people that look like middle-aged men or, you know, whack job um, uh, Vikings were arrested and thrown in jail. You know, where's Ray Epps? So this is just... I mean, I don't know how we get rid of these things. I, I don't know how we get rid of something like the FBI. We have law enforcement in every town and city in this country. And the idea that we need a Federal Bureau of Investigation is, is ridiculous, really. 
um, especially when it proves over and over again that it's just a, a, a tool uh, for the regime. It's not there to preserve our liberty, to preserve the Constitution. All these people have to take oaths, by the way, uh, to protect and preserve the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. On that alone, the entire agency should be dissolved. It's, it's, it's proven over and over and over again that it does not live up to that oath. When you're acting on behalf of the Secret Service, the DEA, or the FBI, it is assumed, assumed that obviously you are acting on behalf of the United States government, right? So if you're acting on behalf of the United States government, there are constraints on what you can do. Those constraints are limited by, you know, by, you know, the Constitution. And remember, the FBI, to do this kind of stuff, guys, has a process. There's rules of evidence. There are criminal trials. You can't just willy-nilly go to private companies and go, take this down, take that. That's not the way this works. This is why I brought up active investigations earlier. You know, when the FBI shows up and they're asking about particular individuals, you know, it's assumed, basically, that these individuals are under investigation. You know, Dave Smith talks about this, and I love this example. You know, everybody knows that if somebody walks up to you on the street and points a gun at you and says, uh, give me your wallet, that's armed robbery, right? Nobody's arguing that that's not armed robbery. But what, what if, this, what if a, a person, what if you're walking down the street and a person walks up to you and they show you their gun? They don't point it at you, but they just show it to you and say, hey, uh, you know, I think you need to give me your wallet. And you give it to them. Well, this is, this is essentially what the government does, right? The FBI shows up and says, they flash their badge, it's official. And this is, I think, Dan Bongino's point, is, you know, they're there, they have some cause to be there at Twitter if they come up and flash a badge and they're asking about somebody. You're, you're, you're thinking, wow, okay, this person's in trouble, I need to cooperate with the FBI. And so they're taking advantage of this understanding that people have about law enforcement. And, um, and they're turning this information over. But then they're kind of taking a step further and saying, you know, you should take this person down or, you know, uh, remove their tweets or suspend their account or so on and so forth. But what's going to happen? I can almost promise you this is going to happen once we get the FBI in front of the Congress. Is they're going to say, well, we didn't, we didn't explicitly tell them that they needed to do this or do that. We just suggested that maybe the information was false. But it doesn't matter, okay? It, that's like showing you somebody your gun and saying, give me your wallet, okay? The, the implication is, is that uh, you know something that Twitter doesn't and therefore... Uh, they're following, you know, they're being good Americans. I mean, you're taking advantage of their good American status, their, their goodwill. I mean, I'm trying to give Twitter the benefit of the doubt. I don't think Vijay Gotti or, or the CEO, I don't think any of those people had any goodwill. I think they were just political animals running a, you know, multi-billion dollar company. But, you know, I think Dan Bongino brings up a great point. And we're probably going to see this when the hearings come. We're probably going to see, 
you know, something to the effect of, well, we didn't tell Twitter they had to do this or they had to do that. We just, you know, inquired about certain people. Yeah, well, the implication is that those people are under some sort of investigation and that they're, you know, their information shouldn't be on Twitter for whatever reason or something. I can almost guarantee you there's going to be some sort of whitewashing of this because of that. There's also now revelations that there were Justice Department employees that actually yes. went over to Twitter to work there, well, embedded it, into Twitter. And ex-FBI employees, yeah. including the general counsel of the FBI, who left the FBI and went to work at Twitter. So they not only embedded, they began to create platforms and processes within Twitter to collude and work with their former employees and friends at the FBI to slash and censor any information that was politically disadvantageous to their point of view and their side. That's what needs inquiry. Congress has to look into this. And I know the FBI and Twitter says, wait a minute, we just made suggestions to a private organization. Twitter could have done whatever they wanted. They didn't need to act on our suggestions. Well, when the FBI comes mm -hmm. and tells you, if they walked into our control room and said, look, every time Arroyo and Jones <laughs> speaks, hit, hit the mute button. Yeah, you know, Raymond Arroyo basically makes my point. I mean, this is like walking up to somebody on the street, showing them your gun and saying, you know, it might be in your best interest to give me your wallet. <laughs> I mean, look, you're being robbed, okay? Even though somebody didn't point the gun at you and they didn't say, take my wallet um, or let me have your wallet, you're being robbed, okay? It's the same thing with the FBI showing up, flashing their badge and saying, look, we have concerns about, you know, Alex Berenson. He's spreading disinformation about COVID or whatever. So, you know, this is a, this is, this is a problem. The other thing I think about is who are these people that live among us that think it's okay to go do this kind of stuff? I mean, are people so political? Are they so tied politically to a party, a particular party I mean, is their livelihood so tied to a political party that they just have to act like this? They have to knowingly behave in a way that's bad for our country, that's it's in no way uh, indicative of the kind of country we were designed to be or, or should act like. I mean, I just wonder who this ex-FBI guy is, or who some of these Vijaya Gotti, you know, and I've brought up before about how, you know, some of these, and I'm not, you know, this is not a racist statement. So don't, don't try to jump to Seth's a racist or something, but I, I just want to bring up, you know, if you're born somewhere else and you, and you grow up in a different culture and then you come to college here and you're, let's say you're really, really smart and you take on a job with a tech company or something like that, but you don't, you haven't lived in America and don't really understand our culture. And then you come over here and you're in a position of power and you make judgments about our culture, about its founding documents, about our freedoms, our civil liberties. You know, it, maybe we shouldn't have so many people come over here from these other countries and work in these tech companies. I mean, if they're going to abuse they're standing in our country and make judgments about our founding, who we are, where we come from, 
as a result of being in the positions they're in and, and not understanding our culture and, and more importantly, not respecting it, then maybe we shouldn't let so many of these people come over uh, and work in this country. Um, because this is, and I think this is going to become a bigger problem. I mean, we're seeing an average of 2,500 people a day come across the southern border. I saw, last week I saw in one day, 8,000 illegal aliens came across the southern border in the El Paso sector. 8,000 in one day. So we've, we've got some serious problems coming our way. And, um, and it's just going to be a, a tsunami of culture that's basically non-American. You know, the FBI, Jonathan, uh, he's going, he says the FBI has to be dismantled, etc. The FBI's admitted uh, no wrongdoing. Let me start with this. They've admitted no wrongdoing. Why would they? Writing in a statement here, sir, quote, the Bureau regularly engages with private sector entities that make decisions about what, if any, action they take on their platforms and for their customers after the FBI has notified them. Fox News contributor Jonathan Turley, uh, what is your reaction to that kind of a statement with what we know now from this recent drop of the Twitter files? Well, you know, Tammy, what's disturbing about the statement is it shows absolutely no self-awareness of what has already been disclosed. I mean, it's showing utter contempt for the American people. The FBI could have said, look, we find these allegations disturbing. We're going to conduct our own immediate investigation to see if, if these types of contacts went too far. And instead, they're just saying, well, we did nothing but correspond with companies. That is not what these new files are suggesting. They're suggesting censorship by surrogate, by proxy. You have dozens of FBI agents who supposedly were tasked to go through social media. You have 150 contacts with just one Twitter executive uh, giving lists of users that should be banned, including satirical sites. Um, there's very little runway left for the FBI to continue to deny that there isn't a serious problem here. People, I think, largely agree, I hope, that while the, the First Amendment applies to the government, it also applies to agents of the government. So if the FBI uses a proxy, uses an agent like Twitter, it's still censorship. It's still a violation of the First Amendment. I know that was a long clip, but I just I felt like we needed to play the whole thing with Jonathan Turley's comments. You know, he's and I want to bring up just basically two things, the, the whole self-awareness thing. Again, I don't know what people, I don't know what FBI agents think their job is or what they think the First Amendment says. I don't understand people that are working in government know that we have this Constitution, know that it has limitations on police force and other types of uses of power, and then just goes and does their job like it's not even there. Especially when you have to, every one of these agents, every one of them has to put their left hand on a Bible, hold up their right hand and say, I swear to protect the United States government against all enemies, foreign and, de and domestic. Uh, I, not just the government, the Constitution. They swear to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. How could you not know? about free speech 
and, and believe that what you're doing there with Twitter is not a violation of free speech. I, I just don't know how you, how the, those, how that exists in your mind. The other thing I want to bring up, and it's especially important for me as a libertarian, because I would bring up these problems with people and they would say, oh, well, you know, Twitter's a private company. They can do what they want to do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but they're only doing it to one side in the political spectrum. You know, so how do you explain that? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe these, you know, and you would get in these conversations. Well, we know now, and, and I would argue that we've known all along, but we just didn't have any proof. But we know now that the FBI has been interfering in this quote unquote private company. So this, this, uh, point that Jonathan Turley makes about, look, you, you can't violate free speech with the government and you can't use a proxy or an agent to violate the free speech of Americans. These are both unconstitutional. They're both unlawful. (laughs) So, you know, I, I just think it's interesting that everybody sat around and acted like nothing was happening here. And now what we see was so blatant. In, in, in the mainstream media, they're not even talking about it. I mean, it, as blatant as it is, they've got nothing to say on the subject. It's unbelievable. And these are, these are so-called journalists. You know, journalists, look, journalists should care about free speech more than anybody cares about free speech their livelihood depends on it and one of the reasons they have free speech and we have a free press is to protect us from the government it protects uh, us individually and it also protects us as a society but there's just no interest at all uh, from these people these so-called journalists uh about whether or not free speech was violated by the government. Now, Glenn Greenwald has been talking about this forever. He talked about how they shut down um, uh, Truth Social, not Truth Social, whatever that one was um, before, during uh, during the presidency. He's he's been railing against this for a long time. But he's really the only one, the only uh, journalist out there and he's not the only one, but he's the he's the biggest name journalist that's been railing against what the government's doing in the area of free speech. And look, if you if you don't have free speech, you're not free. Okay, it's just as simple as that. That's why it's the First Amendment to the Constitution: uh, free press, free speech, freedom of religion. These are all super important uh, civil liberties. You know, what, what's interesting here, too, and I, I think that Americans are frustrated because with the FBI, they seem, whether it was, you know, the Russia dossier hoax, you know, their interference, uh, some argue in the 2016 and 20 elections, is that nothing ever seems to happen. Are we missing something that Congress can do other than have reality television, uh, you know, committees, uh, you know, every day? Is there something that can be done immediately especially with your remarks about their statement, which effectively confirms that they seem to be fine, they knew about it, they weren't outraged or shocked. 
what what are the options here? Well, obviously, it's going to take some time to build the type of case for substantive change. I don't think most people are talking about dismantling the FBI. I think what the representative is probably talking about was dismantling these troublesome components of the FBI, if there is a censorship uh, program going on. And we right. do need to look at that, but a case has to be made. This, These files are not just an indictment of the FBI, they're an indictment of Congress. Uh, Congress has shown a steadfast refusal to dig into uh, the censorship allegations. Many of us have been writing about this for years. The Democratic members have refused to pursue this. And in fact, Democratic members have pushed social media companies to expand censorship. You know, in the very hearing where Jack Dorsey apologized for the Hunter Biden laptop uh, uh, debacle, uh, the immediate reaction of Democratic senators were to tell him, don't backslide on us. We want more censorship. Well, now we have not just censorship. We have blacklisting. We have these shadow bans. All of that is now open to the public. And so in some ways, Musk has forced people to choose sides. And I think that some of the anger that you see in the media Borders on self-loathing. I mean, they're having now mm -hmm. to embrace not just being censorship apologists, but blacklisting and shadow banning and also lying, because that's what we've seen for the last three years. That's a lot to take on yourself and still claim that you're a journalist or you believe in free speech. So it's going to take a while, but I cannot tell you how long overdue this is. We need to see it all. And hopefully the House is yeah. going to pursue that. I played this entire clip of Jonathan Turley because I don't know how many of you know Jonathan Turley, but he's usually very reserved in his um, judgment for government action. And uh, he's pretty spirited in this particular exchange. And, you know, of course, Tammy Bruce is asking, you know, what can we do? Basically what she's asking is, what can we do to get representative government back on track. What can we do? I mean, this is supposed to be self-government, right? Self-government meaning for, of, and by the people. I mean, we, we don't have anything even close to of, for, and by the people. Um, you know, it, it's just so out of bounds that I, I think you can hear in the frustration in her voice that how do we ever get it back? How do would it, other than you know this uh, daytime television, which tend to be hearings that Congress puts on, like she said, what? How do we get back to self-government? How do we get back to the founding ideals of America and what made America great? People, I don't think realize the cost um, of of what what. America has been going through for the last, I would say, 50 years at least. I would say since World War II for sure, but maybe even before that. This is costing us a lot, the way this government behaves, the way it taxes, the way it spends, the way it abuses the money. This is costing every one of us a tremendous amount of our liberty and our livelihood. And I think Tammy Bruce is wondering, as am I, how do we get it back? How do we get it back? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not sure we can get it back. That's why uh, I think we ought to all focus on the money aspect of it. Because 
the uh, if you take away the ability to just print money, everything comes back to reality pretty quickly. I mean, there is no there is no slush funds uh, to do some of this stuff. The FBI probably is a shell of its self today. If you brought back uh, sound money, the entire government is a shell of itself today. If you brought back uh, sound money, so you know, I don't know. Go, go, go! Read what has government done to our money by Murray Rothbard. Go read the Ethics of Money Production by Guido Holzman. Um, go read anything on the Federal Reserve. Read the Fed by Ron Paul. Very good. Read. Um, the Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. These are excellent books if you want to learn more about the Federal Reserve, what it does, and how harmful it is to our society. I know I harp on this all the time, but it's just it's the single biggest um, intervention that we have in our market economy. We don't have a market economy, mainly because of the Fed. Have y'all ever heard of the term hangers on, you know, people that hang on? I feel like that's what society is doing today. I feel like we're hanging on to this design of a government that no longer exists. We all, we all have this reverence for this government that only exists in our mind. Now, don't get me wrong. I love America. I love the idea of America. I love the founding. I love everything about America. I don't love the slavery. I don't love that part of America. But I but I I really love the the attempt to limit government. Um but I don't know. I don't I just don't know what can be done other than um advocating for liberty and insisting on liberty. Um now that's a big there's a lot of implications for that. And we all have to get smarter about what does that mean. But um, certainly it's not what we're living under right now. <laughs> I, I think uh, there's very little evidence of that. Well, look, I've, uh, I've been rambling for a while now. I want to wrap up today's show. But look, thanks for coming in. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. I think it's super important, just paramount, that uh, we get to a place of understanding of what we're actually living under. And I think the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk, while it may be messy, okay, and certainly not perfect, I think it's going to be a net good for society. There's going to be a lot of convulsions and gyrations that we have to go through as, as this history of Twitter is worked out and exposed. But look, we're going to keep talking about it here. So make sure you come back and listen. Uh, share the show with your friends, your family. And uh, let's, let's you know, keep an eye on this together and expose it right here on Who Gets to Decide. <laughs>